So welcome. Good to see many of you here today in our second service. It's good to say that, you know. We're up to two services now. I've got a lot more people to get in, but it's feeling good that we are up to two services. And for those of you who are joining us online, uh, again, give us a thumbs up if you're glad you're worshiping with us. Uh, this is a very short series, and I'm at the end of it. Pastor Joel began it last week. It's a two-week series, and we're calling it New Season because the, basically we're saying in these two weeks we're talking about how the church survived, and I think a better word is evolved, during COVID when so many changes took place, but especially the change that we couldn't meet physically. So we had to shut down all the physical meetings from small groups and community groups and ministries to even our Sunday church services. Um, and in that time, it's been quite a bit of time because we've passed two Easter's. And of course, every Easter we talk about hope because that's what the resurrection is all about, this eternal hope that we have in Christ. But these last two Easter's, we also talked about the phrase, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, because that's the first words out of the angel's mouth when anyone was coming to the tomb to find Jesus who wasn't there anymore. Do not be afraid. You know, our world is changing, and not necessarily for the better. And what we want to say in these two weeks is that we can hold this. We can hold the word of God as reverently as we did before COVID, even during COVID and after COVID, while adapting into many other ways and to many other things, okay? This series about being in a new season of adaptation, but as we reverently hold the word of God is just like we did before COVID, we can also change in many ways. And some of you may say, well, why do we have to, Pastor? I mean, once this is all over, let's just go back to the way it was. Well, many things will go back to the way it was, but many things won't. We're constantly adapting. And there's a purpose of that. It's actually a twofold purpose. We do that both to become better and also to stay um, relevant, to stay relevant. We want to become better as a church. Who doesn't want to become better at church? We constantly want to get better at being church. And we want to stay relevant because we want to reach the next generation for Christ. And that's our great hope of reaching the next generation for Christ. And we have no business being afraid about that happening, holding on to the word of God as firmly as ever while adapting and even embracing the change that comes upon us. So last week, Pastor Joel got us started with this and talking about community in those words. I mean, there's a certain oneness about community that we hold to, and whether you're joining us online today or whether you're here in person and we're last week, because that's one of the big changes that has affected us, right? Whether or not it still takes the same biblical commitment to oneness, that we have to make a commitment to care for each other and we have a commitment to, to love each other. And actually, Pastor Joel walked us through five significant covenant statements at the end of his message, for those of you who saw that or heard that last week. Um, and they all started out, we are the body, so we will. And here's the five statements. So I will connect to Christ daily, and I will care for another with gener uh, generosity, and I will receive and speak the truth in love, and I will learn how I work properly within the body, and lastly, I will adjust 
to be built up together into majority, maturity. That's the phrases, that's the covenant, that's the solid part that doesn't change. That's what makes us a church. And all of those come from Ephesians chapter 4. He drew them out of this passage. And so this week, I'm going to speak on Ephesians chapter 4 again. I'm going to read you the exact same passage, but I'm going to emphasize a different part of Ephesians 4 than he did to talk about the unchanging principles that we keep in mind as we adapt to the future. And there's two areas I'm specifically going to talk about, and they're wrapped up in the last two of his five covenant statements that Pastor Joe shared with us. So I'll say those again. The fourth one was this. I will learn how I work properly within the body. That's talking about serving, right? And lastly, I will just to be built up together in the maturity. That's talking about discipleship. I'm going to talk about discipleship, and I'm going to talk about service. And I'm going to use three verses in particular. When I talk about discipleship, I'm going to talk about 13. I want to read that to you again. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, that's a huge goal. And we're going to walk through that slowly. And it doesn't happen easily, and it doesn't happen without intention. You have to be intentional about that. And then when it comes to serving, verse 7, but grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. This passage, you'll see about five of the gifts are mentioned specifically, but it says everybody gets a gift that comes from God, all for service. So what about those other gifts? And in verse 12, the purpose of all of this, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And we have these certain ones mentioned, as we read through them again, that are for the equipping of the saints. But what about the rest? What are the rest for? How do they build up the body? Well, possibly the same way internally, but possibly reaching out in outreach so we build up the body both spiritually and numerically. So... Let me go back and read this passage to you again. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm starting with verse 7, working all the way through verse 16. But grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. He gave gifts, he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the same one who is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried along by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way unto him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So I'm going to be working through those slowly and carefully. And first, I want to talk about discipleship. Discipleship. Because I'm going to pop right away to verse 13. 
until we attain, all attain, to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, that's a mouthful. You ever try to memorize that? And then try to keep all those phrases in the right order, right? It's very difficult because they're very distinct and powerful phrases, and I don't want us to miss any of it. So I'm going to go through this slowly, kind of word by word and phrase by phrase. So the first word, until, okay? Now, until introduces that there's a goal. So we're supposed to do this work, equipping the saints, the saints are supposed to work too, until we hit this goal. So all of this input is important, but that's not what you measure. What you measure is the outcome. We're looking to see if we reach the goal. Are we getting anywhere? And it says, until we all. So not just a few people, not just the leaders, not just the pastors, not just the staff, until we all in the church attain this. And that word attain is basically the same word that's used for arriving somewhere geographically. Like nine times it's used in the book of Acts to talk about a group of people that reached their destination geographically, that they arrived at Jerusalem. That's the word. They attained Jerusalem. So this is the goal, the destination. We're all shooting for this. We're all doing it together, and this is where we want to arrive. And then he starts to describe what that arrival looks like. And the first thing he says is, when we all attain the unity of the faith, the unity of the faith. What does that mean? What does it mean? I mean, it's an important phrase, but what does it really mean? Well, actually, it's, and, and it's powerful. It's powerful because it's supposed to keep all of us, even though we're different together. It's the reason that Democrats and Republicans can meet in the same church. It's the same reason that all the different ethnicities can feel part of the same body. It's the reason that people like drums and people like hymns can worship together, right? So this is a powerful, powerful force, the unity of the faith. What does it mean? Well, faith actually means a couple of things when it's used in Scripture. Sometimes it's referring to our action. When it doesn't have the article, the, it just talks about faith. It's talking usually about our action, that we have faith in Christ, it's what we put in Jesus. It's our belief. We, we believe in Jesus. We put our faith in him. When it has the article, which is the case here, the faith, it can still mean that. It may still mean that. But it most frequently is used to talk about faith as the object of our faith. Like, what is it we're putting our faith in? And it's saying here that this body of faith, the unity of the faith, right, is wrapped up in this. This is the word of God. The word of God written and the word of God in person in Jesus, that's the object of our faith. So the unity comes from accepting this as our absolute number one foundation. It's primary in our lives. And all the other differences I mentioned a minute ago pale, pale in comparison. They become second or way less because what's most important, what's primary in our life is this. The unity of keeping this front and center. And that's what brings us to mature manhood, which is the next phrase. And there's no gender involved here, so you could actually translate it mature personhood. It's talking about all adults, men and women, come to maturity. And that word maturity can be used different ways in Scripture it is. Sometimes it's translated complete. Sometimes it's translated mature. Sometimes it's, it's translated as perfect, perfect. 
Jesus uses it in the Sermon on the Mount when he's talking to this crowd of people. And in chapter 5 of Matthew, he says, be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So if you put all that together, it's basically saying our goal is that we become perfectly complete and mature in knowledge of this and in the person of Jesus. Can you imagine that? Can you just imagine what it would be like to actually attain all that God has for us, exactly what he wants us to be? Maybe not the most powerful, maybe not the richest, maybe not the best looking, but all that he originally intended for us to have, like Adam when he was first created before sin entered the world and having that perfect relationship with God. That's what God's overarching goal is in this, right? His goal is that he would produce men and women who demonstrate the character qualities of Jesus. And I know that, even though it hasn't set it up to this point, it's just called the faith because of the very next phrase. The very next phrase, it's the stature of the fullness of Christ. We are to be like him. We are to be like Jesus. A renewed mind that focuses on Christ, actions that resemble Christ, heart motives that are working out of the same reasons that Christ's work. So in area of discipleship, the summary of what this passage has to say is this, that leaders of the church, the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, the shepherds, okay, that's what's named in Ephesians chapter 4, that they have the responsibility of, a, of training all the rest of you, equipping all the rest of you for the work of the ministry and particularly to become as Christ-like as possible so that you will become Christ-like in all that you do and all that who you are, right? So our central obsession is Jesus, basically. It's Christ. And it's all for the purpose in verse 16 so that it builds itself up in love, itself meaning the church, so that it builds itself up in love. That's the four-letter goal. <laughs> that word... Love is our goal. That's what we should look like. So equipping is the action. Christ-likeness is the goal. But love is what everybody sees. Love is actually a result. And that's what people see. So that's the unchanging word of God. That's what this means no matter what else happens. So how do we adapt? How do we change when things change around us? So first of all, what changed? Well, during COVID, of course, one of the huge things that changed was we couldn't be with each other physically, right? I mean, all that shut down and we had to go virtual. All of our ministries had to go virtual. It was very hard to stay in contact with you. It was very hard to figure out how you were doing and if we were meeting your needs and what kind of things you needed. So we tried different things and we even sent out a couple surveys. And thanks to all of you, whether you're online or here today, if you've helped fill out those surveys. And there were two emphases on those surveys, and we had several questions related to each. One was, how are we doing for you? And then basically, the second set was, how are you doing? Just how are you doing on this? And we got some good answers that helped us when we came back. I thought we were really weak in one area, according to the surveys. And that was discipleship. Discipleship. Because a lot of people, when, it, when we ask the question about discipleship, and you use lots of different terms in all of our questions, they didn't know what their next step was. They didn't know how to grow further in this 
thing that seems to be so important in Ephesians chapter 4. So we noted that. Our world changed around us as well. It became defined by rapidly changing values, not necessarily Christian values. It, came, it became a world that was much more angry than it had been in the past. So as these things change, how do we adapt? Well, let me talk about how we did adapt a little bit before I get to how we need to adapt as we go forward. We tried to adapt to these things um, one thing that we did was when we started in January, before all this all came out, at least it was just starting to come out, um, in January 2020, we were preaching through the Bible. We gave you a reading plan, and you could read all during the week from the Bible. And then when you, on Sunday, when you would come here, because that was when we were still coming here, right, um, we would teach you on something that you read during the week. Well, once COVID hit and that all got shut down, we debated whether we should stay with that or not or change and talk about different topics, right? We decided to stay with it because, again, the foundation was the word of God, and we thought, hey, through this, we don't know what's going to happen, how long it's going to happen, what the result's going to be on the other side, but this doesn't change. Let's keep doing that. So overall, I think it was a good decision. However, we did miss clues to specific needs that were popping up that we could have better addressed to a larger online audience if we've been paying better attention. And I want to make sure that doesn't happen again. So that's one of the ways we want to think about future adaptation. Um, we did all that we could to keep connected with you, um, even though we had to go virtual. We tried to do discipling in a virtual mode, so our children's ministry kept going with virtual meetings, but we also developed lots of kids and family resources that we tried to send to you that were both digital as well as material, and we'd drop them off at your doorsteps. Um, we worked with our community group leaders to bring them into the virtual world um, so they could lead meetings virtually. We modified our Sunday service. I don't know if you remember how it was in the beginning, you know, when, when each of us was in our home and we're just holding our phone on Sunday service. Hi. I'm going to speak to you today from Ezekiel chapter 4, right? Until what we have online today, which is so much better, right? So some of this is going to continue. We're not going to close it all down as we get back to normalcy, right? And some of it will not, some of it will revert back, right? But there's two issues in discipleship that I want to share with you as we move forward, how we're going to do a better job at this. The first is, is that we are working, like all of our staff, are working on a deeper discipleship plan. It's a very specific plan that takes a very specific commitment for you to be involved. It's going to be focused on groups and cohorts. It's going to be focused on intentional relationships. It's going to be focused on being with Jesus, what that means, and belonging to Jesus and the church, what that means, and doing the things that Jesus did while he was on earth. It's going to be focused on what we believe, what our habits are, and what our relationships look like. But it will take a specific commitment for anyone who signs up for this discipleship course. Now, I wish I could lay it all out in front of you or tell you to go to a website, but we're not that far along, all right? We're taking our time. I mean, we're working at it quickly, but we want to do this right, so we're being very detailed in how we put this plan together. The second thing we want to do is for those who are just starting out in the faith or who are looking and checking us out and wondering if this is something they should give their life to. 
And in that case, we're starting an alpha course, an alpha course. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit later about that, about how to sign up for that. But that's basically for people who are new believers, want to get established in the basic foundations of faith that you find in here, or those who don't even know Christ and want to find out how to get involved and what it's all about. And I'm actually going to stop in the middle of this message right now and ask you to watch the screens as we have a little clip that will give you an experience of what, what Alpha is, okay? So watch the screens. Every day we ask so many questions. What should I wear? What's the weather going to be like? How am I going to fit everything in? But then there are those bigger questions, like why am I here? Where am I heading? Is there more to life than this? arrived at an answer to the most important issue that we humans ever deal with, is there a God? And I had arrived there without ever really looking at the evidence. And I was supposed to be a scientist. At 28, I had gotten many of the things that I thought I wanted. You know, my girlfriend was on the cover of magazines, I had a Beamer, and I was so unhappy. It was a realization maybe that I would, I would never find happiness where I was looking for it. I think for so many years, you know, I always just strived to be strong in myself. All I needed was me and my buddies and, you know, would be like invincible. But the truth is, none of us are. And I found purpose, I found meaning, I found hope. God took something so broken and made it a beautiful art piece. Alpha is a place where you can be yourself. You can say what you think and challenge everything. No, no question is too complex or too simple. And what your point of view is, is as important as anyone else's. We are going on a journey together, an adventure to explore the questions of life, faith, and meaning. So you may have to wait for this bigger discipleship, deeper discipleship plan that I'm talking about for a little bit. This is starting right away. In fact, our first class is on Tuesday, but I'll tell you how to sign up when we get to the end of this message. That's two ways that we're adapting as we go forward. For those who have been at it for long and want to go even deeper, and for those who are just starting and need to be established in the basics of what it means to follow Jesus, okay? That's discipleship, but that naturally leads to service. What are you discipled for? In order to be a servant of Christ, right? So let me talk about serving a bit, starting with verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. 
Grace is given to each one of us. So what Paul, who wrote this book, is trying to get across is that when it comes to the gifting for Christ, when it comes to serving within his body, Christ has made you in a very specific way, each one different than the other. That's why it's a body. We're not all a hand. We're not all an eye. We have all different pieces, right? So we're all very different. Now, this is, this is in contrast to what he just said. That starts at verse 7, but if you look at the three verses prior... Verses 4, 5, and 6, he uses the word one seven times, trying to talk about the church as a whole as being one and unified, which I just described in verse 13, right? So one body, one faith, one baptism, one Lord. He talks about all those things and then switches, which is why he uses the word but here. But even though we're one as a community, we're very different, each one of us, in how we fit into that community. So he could have used, in Greek language, he could have used just one word that means each one, and it's the word hekastos, hekastos, all right? Um, but instead, he used two words. He used hekastos, each one, but then he used the word heis, which means one or individually. So he was doubling it up. After emphasizing we're one as a community, he didn't want anybody to get the, the, um, misunderstood and realize that there isn't a special place for you, that you don't just mold into one, but you have a very special place in God's kingdom. So literally he's saying here, yet each one of us, to each one of us, individually, he gives these gifts. Now, if you want to find out more about the gifts and what they are, there's two chapters I would recommend, Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Easy to remember. Romans chapter 12, and the very next book, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as well. But let me read you a few verses from those two chapters that talk about the individuality of your gifts and your place in the body that's one under Christ's lordship. Verse 3 of Romans 12, For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Verse 11. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. wills. Verse 18. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he desired. So he's very strong here on you knowing where your individual spot is in serving the Lord. And even though, yes, it talks about that grace is given different, what he's talking about is gift. Because in the Bible, there's saving grace that we all get when we turn our lives over to Christ. And then there's equipping grace that's very, very different. And we know he's talking about that equipping grace because that's what the whole context of Ephesians 4 is about. He says very specifically, these gifts of apostle and shepherd and pest are used to equip you so you know what you're supposed to do as well. So each one gets a gift. Each one has a place of service. And then in verse 12, the whole idea of discipleship is to equip the body, uh, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. You're being equipped for work, for the work of the ministry. Now, this week, I actually read a good quote, and I wish I could tell you, you know, give kudos for where it goes. This is a guy that said it, but even when I read the quote, it didn't have who said it. 
But I liked it, so I wrote it down. We seem to have forgotten that the church is not to be a spiritual rest home, but a barracks for training soldiers of the cross. The church, the body, not just talking about church service, right? But the church, the body, us. We're not, we don't come to Christ to retire. We come to Christ to be built up as soldiers of the cross. That's you sitting here. That's those of you online. You're being equipped to be soldiers of the cross. That's the duty of the leadership gifts, the shepherds and the pastors and the teachers and the evangelists, to equip you, all of you, to be able to do this, the work of the ministry. Now, what's ministry? Ministry is just work for Jesus, right? It's working for Jesus. That's what ministry is. So literally, it's like Paul is saying here, you're being trained for the work of the work. That's what he's saying. But he uses two very different words, which is why we translate them in English two different ways, work and ministry. The first word he uses in Greek is ergon, which means energy, labor, okay? So this is not easy. It's intensive. You have to put some effort into it. And the effort you put into it, the second word is diakonos which is translated serve. And it's where we get the English word, the church term, deacon from, right? And deacons are those that come alongside to do all these kind of labors, set up tables, set up chairs. The deacons were first appointed in Acts chapter 6 when the apostles had to focus on the preaching of the word. They were the ones who took care of the widows. Very important work. But he doesn't use words like power and lead and authority he uses the word serve. This is about servant work. And it's characterized, what's that four-letter word that's supposed to characterize this? Love, right? It's characterized by love. And who is it that does this? It's all of us. It's all of us. All of you. So that's the eternal word that doesn't change. That's what that always means. That will never change. So what does change? Well, what changed this last year? When it comes to serving, what changed the most this last year was that we had a bunch of different needs. We had many more needs, and they were in all different areas, basically because people were running into trouble both physically, becoming sick, and also economically because they were losing their jobs. So they didn't have money to pay their doctor bills. They didn't have money to buy food. I mean, it was a real shortage of basically funds that people were living on. So how do we adopt? And how do we adapt to these new needs? Well, we start to meet them. We met as much as possible. So we expanded our pantry astronomically in meeting so many needs of so many families who basically were just trying to keep food on their table. We paid off medical debt. We moved fast to help Trenton, which was in trouble. We began the work of helping refugees who haven't even had a harder time as they landed here in the U.S., but both here and abroad. We sent as many resources as possible to our five partner countries, lump fund gifts to help them during their COVID time. And actually... When you think of it, everything that I just said, maybe with the exception of helping our partner countries with these extra funds, that might be rolled back. Who knows? But nothing else is going to get rolled back. These needs are still out there. These people are still out there. We're not pulling this back. 
Rather, we want to expand this that we want to do. I mean, if God can use us in COVID like he used us this past year, imagine what he can do this next year. I mean, we just sang a song during our worship that talks about him destroying what can't be destroyed, moving the mountain that can't be moved, that in him we will put our trust to do these things, and that's what we're doing. This year offers a lot of these needs, and we're saying let's be open to them. Let's expand and see the different lives that we can touch, and we're going to trust God. Like that song says, we're going to trust God for him to bring in the finances and the more volunteers and the right projects that we start and especially the right people who are in need not just to survive but to thrive in Jesus. Because remember, he's our obsession. He's our focus here of everything that we do. But we're characterized by love, looking like him not just to each other but to the surrounding communities. All right, let me wrap this up now. I've been talking about two areas, discipleship and service, and they obviously go hand in hand. We disciple people because we need more volunteers and we need more people to serve. We train people so we can do more ministry, right? They go hand in hand. Five commitments Pastor Joel set out for us last week. Remember the first three. I will connect to Christ daily. Are you doing that? Are you staying connected with Jesus? Are you meeting him in prayer? Are you staying in his word? I will care for another with generosity. Have you done that? Are you praying about the next person? Are you doing it on a regular basis? I will receive and speak the truth in love. A hard thing to do sometimes, but it's a principle are you committed to? Not to gossip, not to go around the back, but go to it directly. Here was number four. Number four, he said this. I will learn how I work properly within the body. That's about service. But when it comes to service, after hearing what you heard today, after looking at this passage again, I think we can make that one even more specific. We could say this. I will seek to know and use my gifting for the work of the kingdom. Because you're saying by that statement that I know, number one, the kingdom is where we should emphasize And I know, number two, that I have a specific gift that can be used by God. And so I'm going to give you some practical advice of how you can further yourself in that area. Go to our website, princealliance.org, slash serve, okay? Slash serve. And when you go there, you'll see two things. Both are relevant to what we've been talking about this morning. Because at the top of that page, you'll see you can click on a button and take a spiritual gifts test, right? Because many of you might say, well, I don't know how I'm gifted. I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do. Then let us help you. This is not a foolproof tool, right? But it'll give you an idea how God has wired you for service in his kingdom. It's one of the ways that you can know where you should fit in service. And then the second thing you can do on that page is go down further, and there's a drop-down menu that says filter, and you can actually pick something that you can sign up to serve for. And that's a second way you can find out how you're gifted. Just do it. Just sign up for something and see if that's where you not only feel like you fit, but that's where you're getting the most success. You're feeling productive in that area. And if not, try a different area. Now, his fifth commitment last week was this. I will adjust to be built up together into maturity. That's discipleship. And we've talked about that even more this week, so let's make it more specific. 
I would say this. I will consistently take the next step that God gives me. Take the next step that God gives me in this area of discipleship. And so here's my suggestions of how you do that, okay? First of all, and probably most important, is pray. Because I don't know what your next step is, but God surely does. So first of all, just pray and ask him for your next step in discipleship. Secondly, consider joining that alpha course that you saw the little video on. If you want to be established in the faith, if you're just checking Christianity out, or bring a friend who is, Sign up at alpha at princetonalliance.org. Alpha at princetonalliance.org. Now, these classes start on Tuesday. I still have some time where I'll have to tell you about the bigger discipleship program, but this one starts right away on Tuesday. But you actually have till next Tuesday where you can sign up. But I would say sign up right away if this fits you. Thirdly, talk to a pastor. If you're still not sure what your next step is, that's why we're here. Talk to anybody on staff. Just contact us, email us, and let us talk to you about your next step. And fourthly, join a group. Join a group, because this should be done. You can't just grow all by yourself. So I don't care what kind of group is, a ministry group, an alpha group, a community group, whatever. Most of our groups, like our community groups, have certain sign-up times, so you're not jumping in the middle, which can sometimes be awkward for you as a new person. And our next sign-up time is going to be mid-June. But we'll keep advertising it. But when it comes time, if you're not in one, sign up for a group. And then I have some homework too because I will keep you informed on what this discipleship program is more specifically and when it's ready to launch. And I will also keep you updated on a couple areas of service that you sign up for. They're on that drop-down list on princeofalliance.org serve, a lot of things you can sign up for right away, but two of the newer areas that we're still developing is in the areas of working in Trenton and also uh, in refugee work, okay? But we will keep you informed with a regular newsletter update for anybody who signs up for that, what the next step is and who we need to do what kind of things, okay? That's my homework that I promised to you. Guys, we're in a new season, a new season, new opportunities, same word of God. So let's keep pushing forward, right? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word that never changes. I mean, this is what gets us through to everything. It is what gets us through COVID, but it gets us through everything because it never changes. It's eternal. It's forever. It's true. It's never false. It always comes to be. It's always done as you say. Thank you for that word. It's the foundation of our life. It's what keeps us stable. It's what keeps us firm. It's the unity that brings us all together, even though we have different views about so many other things. And it's the unity that we need to be obsessed and focused on, following you. So help us be that church, but also help us not only not to be afraid of change, but to welcome it, to adapt to it, and see how you can use us mightily to become a church that gets better at being the church, and to become a church that's always relevant to all those people out there who still need to hear you and to that next generation which will carry this work on in this particular area. That's the church we want to be. You make it so as we make these commitments to you now in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.